0: Passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply
1: what's good everyone Canty and carlin on espn radio the espn app series xm channel 80 and on espn plus no Canteen, no Carlin today. You just heard their voices. Instead, you get Amber Wilson and I Am Shay Cornette. Two ladies ho- holding it down. I feel like I- Amber listening to what Carlin was just saying. I have opinions. I bet you do too. <laughs> being two people have who opi- have toddlers at
2: home. <laughs> right. Well, I often have opinions about the things that come out of uh, Chris Carlin's mouth, quite yeah. frankly, uh, Shay. It's but true. especially when it comes to that, because neither Kurt, uh, Canty nor Carlin have children. And so I do think that there's probably a disparity here yeah. on the p- opinion surrounding exactly. three-year-old birthday parties. We'll have to get into that at some point.
1: I, I just want to say this, though. Like, what do you want us to do? Like, keep them in a closet all day just because they can't remember doesn't mean we shouldn't let them, like, enjoy life. You know what I mean? Like, let's just keep, they're not gonna remember names. Let's just put them in a closet and we'll call it a day. I mean, what else right. to do?
2: Well, and I do understand the idea that, hey, maybe don't make like the three-year-old birthday a wedding if you yeah. don't need to, because they're not going to remember it in the long term. And then also you're setting the bar. A lot of people do that for the first birthday, Shay. I know <laughs> your son is younger than yeah. mine. I don't know. Has he turned one yet? Yeah,
1: he turned one. And okay. Yes, so I, I don't, probably did more than I should have.
2: I don't uh, know what you did for the first birthday, <laughs> but A lot of people do that for the first birthday. They'll go all out. It's like, you know, it's it's a wedding practically. And of course, (laughs) your child is not going to remember it. So I understand that, except for you and I both know. It ain't really for the kid. Now the kid enjoys it. You love your child. You want your child to have fun. It's also a pleasurable experience for the parents. And the parents remember. All of these events, the memories, the parents remember. I remember when I was a kid, I thought it was silly that my parents, I was fortunate enough. My parents took us traveling a lot. And I know my parents had taken us to Europe when we were little kids. I couldn't remember it. I did it with my son. And now I get it as a parent because I'm like, but I remember it, man. And, and it, was it was special, special for you. to me. Was special um, to me seeing exactly. you enjoy it.
1: <laughs> so if we hear that clip again, uh, this might happen again. I'm sorry for everyone. Again, Amber Wilson, Shea Cornette, filling in today for Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. You can join the conversation here on the CC call online. Maybe not the toddler birthday party conversation, one we're going to have here in a minute. But the phone number is 888 say espn 888 3776 And we are presented by Progressive Insurance. It's time for Straight Talk Wireless brought to you. It's time for Straight Talk, rather, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Last night was the NBA draft. And while it didn't have a ton of drama, there was some that came early on in terms of the number one overall pick. Orlando, they took Duke's Paulo Banquero with the number one overall pick. That was followed up by OKC, who took Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga, and then Jamari Smith out of Auburn went number three to the Houston Rockets. And the reason I say that was the early drama, Amber, is obviously because those three guys were kind of shifting one through three throughout the entirety of the week and the week prior and all indications were was that Orlando was not going to take Paolo and then you know seconds before the pick comes in obviously this is what happens and so now those people who maybe were throwing a little money on this or Orlando fans are a little perplexed yet excited that they now have Paolo Carroll. What did you make of the Orlando Magic's first pick last night?
2: I, I mean, the Orlando Magic were going to be big winners no matter who they chose, right? Because they had the number one pick. And I feel like when you're evaluating a draft, whoever gets the guy they wanted to get, then you've won the draft, so to speak, until we can fully evaluate these players later. So it was going to be whoever Orlando won in that pick was was fine. I don't have a problem with them choosing any of those three guys. Because like you said, people are acting like this was some crazy outlandish pick. I mean, there was three guys in this draft that everybody was talking about. Yes, there was no Zion Williamson in this draft. So some people found this draft more boring. But there were those three guys, frankly, the top five guys, really. I mean, sure, they shuffled a couple spots here and there. But it kind of panned out the way that we thought with those first five picks. Yes, everybody thought Jamari Smith was going to be the pick for Orlando. To the point, I think that this was maybe... What made it a bit interesting is that Bancaro himself didn't think he was going to Orlando. So he actually kept Shea canceling his workouts with Orlando because he didn't think he had any chance of going number one. And I don't know why Orlando did this. Like what? What was the point? They had the number one pick. They could pick whoever they wanted. What was the point? Like, it's ne- you're not negotiating with anybody. What, what's the point of being so mum about it and not even getting the workouts from the guy you end up choosing number one? Because even he has the wool pulled over his eyes and doesn't think he's going number one. But it's a good pick overall. He's very NBA ready out of these yeah. three.
1: I agree. I love this pick for the Magic, but I, I I will say this. You pointed out that he never worked out for the Magic, which I think is why it was so surprising. Like As I said in the beginning, these three guys, they could have gone 1-2-3, 3-2-1, 2-1-3. It didn't matter, but the fact that Paolo never worked out for the Orlando Magic is what I think people like myself and you, Amber, were scratching our heads like, Well, of all of, of the three, this is ironic that he never even worked out for the team that he is now being drafted to, which makes no sense at all to me. And then this had me wondering, well, did they learn something maybe? And it was a last minute switch that they learned at the last second. I don't know. Um, But nonetheless, you're right, an NBA ready dude that will go and make an immediate impact for the Orlando Magic. And however the chips may fall, one through three, um, these guys got what they wanted. I I guess if we're going to go one through five here, Jaden Ivey not going number four to Sacramento and, and them skipping over and going Keegan Murray out of Iowa instead was also very surprising to me. And then I would point to the Detroit Pistons as the team that basically won this draft getting Jaden Ivey I'm an Indiana Hoosier graduate so it pains me to say what a, a pleasure to watch Jaden Ivey as being a Purdue guy um but he is and he he's an immediate impact P- pair him with the number one pick last year in Cade Cunningham and this Pistons team is going to be a whole lot better than they were even just two years ago um but yesterday's NBA draft and you said this Amber is true this is a much deeper draft than those that we have seen in years past uh, cough cough Zion Williamson draft whatever it is this one was very deep and so that is is why one through five, one through ten, one through twelve, whatever, all have an opportunity now to go to these respective teams and make an immediate impact. Is there anything else, a team that maybe jumped out to you that won last night or something else maybe from last night, Amber, that you thought, wow, this made for an interesting NBA draft in twenty twenty two. I mean
2: I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I'm some NBA draft expert, but if we are doing our too soon evaluations, I mean I do think the Spurs are also on that list. Most people do say that Detroit won last night, like you said. I think the Spurs could also be a part of that conversation. And I I wonder, Shay, if it's also because I just give credence to that organization. I've liked what they've done during this rebuild the last few years. I also trust that organization. But that ninth pick, Jeremy Sokan, I mean, his his, uh, value has just skyrocketed over the last year. Um, What they did, frankly, with their first three picks. I know a lot of experts, uh, NBA experts, are applauding. Uh, So I would say that they are one of those teams that you could project far too soon before we know how these guys are acting going to pan out uh, in in terms of winning this draft other yeah. than just Detroit
1: so I obviously have a dog in the fight because my husband works for the ACC network uh, under the umbrella of ESPN as well. And so, um, you know, he covers closely the Dukes, the North Carolinas, the Syracuses, on and on of the world. And and all college basketball season, he was frustrated because he's like, oh, my games, because he covers college basketball. Uh, ACC is having a down year. A- and last night he said it to me, and I was like, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, for having a down year, the ACC had two Final Four teams in North Carolina and Duke, produced the most drama of any other conference, let alone teams in college who hoop- And now in the year that Coach K leaves and is no longer at Duke, they have the number one overall pick in Paolo Bancaro. And so for me, this was another like bravo moment for Coach K, not that he needs anymore to add to his resume list, but this was one of those cool things where it's like not only does he leave, not necessarily on top, but not only does he leave, you know, with everything good around him as he exits from Dukes, but now Paolo Bancaro in his last year goes number one overall. So that was kind of a cool moment as well.
2: Just adds to that legacy. For exactly.
1: Sure. Of course it does, right? Um, Street Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. So which NBA draft prospect has the best shot of becoming a franchise-changing player? We'll get into that in a second, but first, this from Vivid Seats.
3: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And...
1: In a minute, I promise it's coming. Vivid seats. Hold on a second, everyone. <laughs> Waiting on the edge of your seat. Let me see. If on the edge on. of
2: your vivid seats. On the sure. edge
1: of your vivid seat, if you will. All right. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and you can be there to catch all the action live with Vivid Seats. Get to the ballpark and experience every home run, every web gem, and every walk-off. And with Vivid Seats rewards, you'll start earning free tickets from your very first purchase. Buy 10 tickets, get the 11th one for free. That's like getting 10% back on every single ticket. From the box seats to the bleachers, Vivid Seats has you covered with tickets at great prices all summer long. All you have to do is visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. It's Vivid Seats. Life happens fast.
3: And welcome to the 2022 NBA Draft at Barclays Center. The Orlando Magic select Paolo Bancaro. But this kid has talent and he's a culture builder. With the second pick, the Oklahoma City Thunder select Chet Holmgren. You
4: know, if they say I'm a unicorn, you know, that's their opinion. Uh, you know, I don't focus too much on the outside
3: noise. With the third pick in the 2022 draft. I'm happy to be where I'm wanted. The Houston Rockets select Jabari Smith Jr. changes change this culture around the some game. Spike, you ever heard of him? <laughs>
1: Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN App Series, XM Channel 80, and on ESPN+. Plus. I am certainly not Canty or Carlin, and neither is one Amber Wilson. Shea Cornett and Amber Wilson filling in for the guys this afternoon on post-MBA draft day. I guess that's what we could call today. And I know, Amber, you said earlier we're no NBA draft experts. We're just talking about what we're seeing with our own eyeballs. But perhaps our next guest, We could consider that. That would be Jeff Borzello, our ESPN College basketball insider. It's time for the progressive NBA snapshot. And, Jeff, yesterday, um, you know, we were just talking about it. Number one overall goes Paolo Bancaro to the Orlando Magic. And a lot of people were scratching their heads about this pick just because it was anticipated that the the one through three was going to be rearranged a bit. But nonetheless, they get Paolo Bancaro number one overall. How NBA ready is this guy? How much of a media impact can he make on this Orlando Magic team?
4: Yeah, I think he has to be the favorite for Rookie of the Year, and he probably would have been that way had he gone third, uh, as kind of originally anticipated, as you alluded to. But I just think he's ready to go in, and he's going to a team that has a lot of guys in the backcourt that can handle the ball, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, guys like that. But I think Ben is good enough where they can kind of run the offense through him, Um, you know, 6'10", 250, but he's a good enough passer. He's a good enough shooter. He can take guys off the dribble. He can score in the post. I just think he walks into a situation where you know, the offense can really run through him and he can be a go-to guy right off the bat. So I think he was the most college-ready player last fall going into college, and I think he's the most NBA-ready rookie. And at number one, I mean, I think Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith's ceiling's a little bit higher, but I think Bank Arrow's floor and immediate impact was the highest of that trio.
2: Most people thought Jamari Smith was going there at number one, and Bancaro kept canceling his own workouts with the Magic because he thought even that he had no shot of going number one. Jeff, why did the Magic do this? Like, What what was the point of them pulling the wool over all of our eyes and, and then selecting Bancaro?
4: I mean, they kept it very close to the vest, and then you don't really see, you know, this doesn't happen. Uh, you know, it, there's, there's usually no kind of consensus number one, and, and I mean, Smith has been the perceived number one pick for a long long time and it seemed kind of locked in when the lottery happened and the magic got the first pick and then you know the, the Vegas betting odds started changing over the last couple of days but it, even going into yesterday there was no expectation that they were going to change their tune and take anybody besides Jabari Smith at one but um, it seemed like that he was the guy they maybe honed in on the, the entire time and they just they, they kept it quiet they didn't have any leaks and and I think that they maybe said you know what Ben Caro is the guy right away that can help us kind of get out of this, you know, one through five, one through six area of the draft and, and really take us forward. Jabari Smith, I mean, I think he's terrific. Um, I just think he's going to take some time. Right now, he, he's more of a six foot ten kind of jump shooter shot blocker, which is great. And I think his ceiling is super high. I just think that the Magic probably thought, you know, Ben is ready to play right now, ready to start and be a star right now. Let's go with him at one.
1: Okay, talking right now to Jeff Borzello, our ESPN College Basketball Insider, obviously discussing the draft that we all watched last night in the NBA. Uh, Let's switch gears a little, get out of the top three, and now move to four and five. Um, The Kings, they ended up passing on Jaden Ivey. They went with Keegan Murray instead, and so Jaden Ivey goes number five to the the Detroit Pistons, which I know a lot today, and myself included, you know, we're talking about how great the Pistons did in their draft last night. But what about the Kings? Did they make a mistake, perhaps, when they passed on Jaden Ivey?
4: I think you could say that. I mean, I I think Keegan Murray's terrific, and I like I, I think that he made as as big of a stride as anybody in the college basketball between his freshman and sophomore year. Um, you know, there were, there were times over the past few months where the Keegan Murray versus Paolo Bancaro conversation was was a legitimate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Murray's probably a little bit better of a shooter, and and you know, he might have a little bit of higher ceiling than Bancaro. It's like he, he's a very very good player. I just think Ivy you know, talking to people around college basketball, talking to people in the NBA, like, he has legitimate star power. Um, you know, he has that athleticism that, that superstars in the NBA have. He has that explosiveness that superstars in the NBA have. Like, he, he is going to be, you know, the expectation is he's, he's, you know, maybe the, the guy in this draft that's built to become an NBA all-star, um, you know, Maybe the most of anybody in the draft. Like the, the comparisons to John Morant are there. I, I just think he's he's really a star in the making. He has some you know inconsistency shooting the ball and and distributing it at, in college, but with space and and he's playing next to Cade Cunningham now. He's not going to have to shoulder the load of playmaking so much. I, I think he's he's going to be a star, and I think that backcourt is going to be you know one of the best in the NBA for years to come.
2: Jeff, you know how this works. Within 24 hours of any draft, we have to discuss the winners and losers immediately. Shea and I were chatting about the winners just before you came on. Shea threw out the Pistons as a winner last night. I said the Spurs. Would those be your two winners? Is there anybody that we're missing?
4: I think the Rockets were probably the biggest winner in my book. I, I do think that the Pistons, like I just said, I think they're they're set in the backcourt for, for a while. I think the Spurs had a terrific first round. But to me, the Rockets, I think they they – kind of hit a home run with this entire past week, starting with the Christian Wood trade. Um, you know, I think that they freed up some space and I think they really jump-started their rebuild. And I think they they nailed all three of their first-round picks. Um, obviously, it helped that Javari Smith fell to them uh, at three after being the perceived number one pick for so long. But Tari Eason, uh, forward out of LSU, they got him in the middle of the first round. He's a guy that was maybe the most versatile defender in college basketball last season. I think he's the guy that can come in. He's not going to demand an offensive role from day one, he's going to be able to buy into a system. He was a sixth man at LSU. He's not going to be a guy that's, that's you know, going to kick up a fuss that he's not starting 82 games next year. Um, you know, and, and, and then Ty Ty tie, tie Washington, to me, was maybe the biggest steal of the first round at 29. He was a guy that was, you know, if you look to the end of the college season, he was picked in the 10, 11, 12 range. And he's dropped, you know, 17, 18 spots since then. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of, Suspicious of those, you know, those kind of rises or falls based entirely on the pre-draft process. But he was, you know, one of the best guards entering college basketball last season. He shot 40% from three before he got hurt. He had 17 assists in a game. Um, I think he, he, to me, he was a top 12 to 15 player in the draft, and they got him at 29. And and so, to me, I I just think that their rebuild or or kind of whatever they're going through, I mean, they had the, the worst record in the NBA back-to-back years, but I think with Jalen Green, with Kevin Porter, and now these three first rounders plus a couple other pieces, I think they had a really, really terrific draft.
1: Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Jeff Borzello, thanks so much for the time. I know it was a late night last night, and obviously you're back to it today. We really appreciate it, and we'll catch up with you soon.
4: Sounds good. Thanks for having
1: me on. See you later. That's Jeff Borzello, our ESPN College Basketball Insider. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Borzello. And he's brought to you by Progressive Insurance Bundle and Protect Today, all under one roof. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. This is Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80, and on ESPN Plus, Amber Wilson, Shay Cornette, holding it down for the guys today. So uh, there's some news in the baseball world. And it's a shame, Amber, unless like the Yankees or the Dodgers do something groundbreaking, we, we don't talk a ton of baseball on ESPN Radio. But Aaron Judge is about to change that, because I've talked more Aaron Judge in the last few weeks than I ever have in my entire life on radio. And that's a good thing, I think, not only for New York fans, but for all of baseball. Well, there's finally been a settlement in terms of what's going on with his arbitration, and perhaps maybe a glimpse into the future for Aaron Judge. And we're going to talk about it next, because what what does this mean for him and the future of the Yankees in New York? We'll talk about it next. It's Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. All right, things are looking a little clearer in New York. We'll tell you what we're talking about here. Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80, and... On ESPN Plus, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Shea Cornette, Amber Wilson, filling in for the guys this afternoon. You want to join the conversation, feel free. The CC call online, 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. We're brought to you by Barbasol Shaving Cream. Choose Barbasol Shaving Cream for a thick, lather, and close, comfortable shave. And for a limited time only, capture your Barbasol Jurassic cans before they Are gone. All right. Buster Only, our ESPN MLB insider and host of Baseball Tonight podcast, joining us now here on Canty and Carlin. We got some news, Buster, uh, just a little bit ago. Aaron Judge settles with the Yankees on a $19 million deal. This now makes him or allows him, I guess, to avoid an arbitration case for both sides. And so what does this mean for Aaron Judge?
5: Well, uh, I mean, maybe for him and for the Yankees, peace of mind. Uh, they presented a few days ago the idea of settling at the midpoint because Judge had asked for seven. Or excuse me, Judge had asked for twenty-one million. The Yankees had proposed seventeen million, and so the Yankees proposed the midpoint and nineteen million. And a few days ago, he said no. Uh, you know, then they go along. Uh, there's conversations picked up again where you know the, I, I think they were trying to thread a needle and to try to figure out how could. Uh, they get this done so Aaron Judge wouldn't have to sit on a Zoom call for four to five hours and listen to the Yankees, you know, to potentially talk about what he hadn't accomplished in 2018-2019. And so the Yankees add those two incentive clauses into their offer. Uh, $250,000 if he wins the MVP uh, this year, $250,000 if he wins the World Series MVP. And if you're Aaron Judge and you're right now sitting as a front runner for the American League MVP, that sounds like a pretty good deal. So that doesn't become a distraction. Uh, You know, the the Yankees veer around the possibility they were going to anger Aaron Judge, maybe keeps the relationship uh, more workable as we go into the fall after the season uh, and he becomes a free agent. But for now, they can just all focus on baseball. And that's what he does so well anyway.
2: So for now, Buster, they can focus on baseball. But this did come down to the last minute, right? Because he was supposed to hop, I would imagine, on that arbitration Zoom uh, probably minutes before he finally did agree to this $19 million with some of these uh, additional things in here that you that you mentioned that they put into this deal. So what does this mean? Because now we have Aaron Judge. you know, He turns down the $213.5 million contract offer from the Yankees right before the season began. Now these negotiations, uh, as it pertains to just this season, Season went until the final minute before the arbitration hearing. What does it mean for the relationship moving forward between Aaron Judge and the New York Yankees?
5: Yeah, and I, I kind of wonder if this is a preview of what we're going to see in the contract negotiations in the offseason. Uh, you know, he bet big on himself, for sure. Well, the Yankees, when they offered that million million, I had folks on both sides say, look, a, a contract that was going to make him the second highest paid outfielder higher than than Mookie Betts, higher than Bryce Harper, higher than Giancarlo Stanton, lower than Mike Trout, um, You know that was a, a pretty good offer from the Yankees. It was a fair offer, and Judge, as is his prerogative, absolutely bet on himself, and that's going to pay in some form or fashion. I think the question is going to be, uh, are the Yankees going to chase him, uh, or will this play out a little bit like Albert Poole's after the 2011 season where you have the face of a franchise who goes into free agency, and in that case, the Cardinals said no, and he wound up signing with the Angels. Um, you know, it always comes down in free agency, the one owner, you know, from another team or maybe two owners from other teams that look at Aaron Judge and say, yeah, that's a guy that I want to have come and be the face of my franchise. I-, I think that, you know, no matter what he winds up getting, the first number is going to start with a three, as in $300 million versus a two. Because he's having such a phenomenal year. He's checking every box.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's checking every box and it just is a matter now of if he can stay healthy for the remainder of the year. We're talking to Buster only, ESPN MLB insider host of the baseball tonight podcast. You can also follow him on Twitter at Buster underscore. ESPN. Let's make this a bigger conversation now and talk about the actual teams right at at the top of the leaderboard and both the AL and NL is the Yankees and the Mets and at this point in the NL at least it's Mets and Dodgers would you pinpoint those two teams in the NL if this all goes the way it's supposed to go which it never does in Baseball Buster but bear with me here if it's the Yankees at the end of the day would you pick the Mets or the Dodgers to be the team on the other side going up against them or is there another team you like?
5: You know, uh, among my uh, other idiot picks that I've made (laughs) Uh, I, I'm going to stick with one that I, I feel still feel good about, and that would be the Atlanta Braves coming out of the National League. That is a team, you know, defending champions. They keep getting better as this year goes along. They call it Michael Harris' 2nd to play center field. He's really solidified that group. you got Ronald Acuna Jr. working his way back from a knee injury. I talked to a source within the Braves organization the last few days who said their rotation, one through five, now that they put Spencer Strider in the five spot, is as good as it's been in recent years. So, I mean, the Mets have definitely been one of the best stories of baseball early on, but we still don't know for sure what Jacob deGrom is going to be when he comes back. We don't know about some of their other injured pitchers. Uh, you know, how will those guys fare as they go forward? We don't know what Steve Cohen's going to do before the trade deadline. You know, how much will he add in terms of depth? But I really like the Braves and feel like the Dodgers, who generally speaking have been the preeminent team in the National League for the last five years, Um, do feel more vulnerable because of injuries to to the likes of Walker Bueller and their pitching staff.
2: I want to go back to the New York Yankees for just a moment, Buster, because largely in part because of what Aaron Judge has been doing uh, this season, which I know that that wasn't allowed to be part of these negotiations in terms of the arbitration for this year's salary. But what he's been doing is phenomenal. And there's a lot of best ever uh, things floating out there, right? Like this is the best New York Yankees team ever. Is there any legitimacy to that or is that very prisoner of the moment?
5: Uh, yeah, it absolutely is prison of the moment. And I say that as someone who – I covered the 98 Yankees for the New York Times. You know, they, they won 125 games, uh, including the postseason, 114 games in the regular season. And let me tell you, <laughs> I never, you know, they, that team rolled along. They were crushing bad teams. Uh, they, they looked absolutely invincible. And in mid-September, they seemed to get tired to the degree after an ugly game in Tampa Bay – uh, Joe Torre held a team meeting and like yelled at the players and said look you just can't turn this on and off like a light switch and they got back on track for a little bit but then they get into the postseason play the American League Championship Series against the uh, Cleveland Indians they were down two games to one and all of New York was panicking like it felt like all of that was going to fall apart uh, and that's what this team has to go through so it feels like You know they are miles and miles and miles away from some some of the biggest challenges because they will go into the postseason under an incredible amount of pressure because it's you know players on that '98 team who told me after the fact yeah there's no question if they don't win in the postseason if they don't win the World Series everything they accomplished during the season will feel irrelevant. Mm -hmm.
1: Of course, that's always how it works, right? Buster, thanks so much for the time. We know you've been all over ESPN, airwaves, TV, radio, you name it today. So thank you so much for hopping on with us and giving us the latest here on what's going on. Yeah, no problem. See you later. That's Buster Olney, ESPN MLB insider, host of the Baseball Tonight podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Buster underscore ESPN always the best, always right up to date with the latest and what's going on in the world of baseball, and we appreciate that. Shea Cornette, Amber Wilson, filling in for Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN App Series, XM Channel 80N on ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Um, Amber, really quick before we take a break, interesting stuff on, on Aaron Judge, and you brought up something interesting to me, at least, earlier today in our meeting, in regards to why this arbitration case, even though it never even got to a hearing, why it was going to be so different for Aaron Judge. I just thought Maybe this was a good time for you to kind of articulate that, because I don't think the common even baseball fan really understands why this held so much significance.
2: Well, and this is why he he ended up settling right instead of going instead of going to arbitration, frankly, because he can't at his arbitration hearing had he had it, he would not have been able to present anything beyond March so everything he's done since March which we know what he's done since March yeah. everything he's done since March 2020 would not have made an appearance in this arbitration hearing they are only of course determining his this year's salary on past performance that's just how it works in sports right you're always paid yeah, for right. what you've done not what you're currently doing and this arbitration hearing Shay would have happened in the offseason it was the timing of when this came that made this so interesting and unique and maybe why Aaron Jones initially turned down the 19 million for the Yankees and then a few days later ends up accepting it with some additional parameters in there is because this was happening in season and you know what he's been doing this particular season versus the availability of Aaron Judge the last couple seasons but it would have been those things that would have gotten brought up at the arbitration hearing and I thought it was interesting that Buster just said maybe he decided that he didn't want to hear the MLB essentially drag him through the muck at the arbitration hearing their side advocating for their side to not have to pay him quite as much which would have been their jobs and would have been what they were doing but maybe Aaron Judge didn't want that out there and didn't want to have to go through hours of hearing that sort of the faux pas of the last couple years if you will of his career he wants to focus on what he's doing right now because what he's doing right now is phenomenal so i'm guessing yeah. that's why he ends up agreeing to this and now he will be using what he's doing right now to negotiate his Next salary in the future yes. right
1: and of course they couldn't have this arbitration hearing uh earlier because of the lockout so here's another Correct. thing of the fallout in terms of the lockout in major league baseball but all is settled now and so uh you know aaron judge settles and, and he makes a little bit more money but will make a lot more money if he can stay healthy and, and betting on himself will turn out to be a good thing for aaron judge later on all right coming up um back to the hardwood uh scotty pippen and Shaq sons are playing for the lakers summer league team uh, that's that's kind of a big deal. Summer League, I don't know. But, but this had us thinking about something else. We'll tell you about it next. It's Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80.
3: Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business.
1: So we got the news, Amber, that Scottie Pippen and Shaquille O'Neal's sons, they're both playing for the Lakers Summer League team out in Vegas. So that's Sharif O'Neal and Scottie Pippen Jr. And while this might be, you know, exciting for the Lakers perhaps if either of these two guys uh, do end up panning out, this obviously got us thinking a little bit further. If your father or mother, it doesn't really matter, were like excellent radio broadcasters, is that the field you would want to go into? Would you want to chase that dream? What do you think?
2: Like my dad's the best sports radio host ever. Ever. Uh, Am I going? uh, I don't. I'm very conflicted about this because I understand, obviously. Like with you know with these two and and the sons of of many NBA greats, you probably presumably would have gotten some of those genes, right? So there's that Mm -hmm. component of it that you'd probably be quite good at that. Uh, If our parents were the best sports radio broadcasters ever, we'd probably be quite good at that. I'd like to think we are, uh, even though they weren't. (laughs) So you'd like you have the skill set. So I can understand the attraction to the same sport. You also have the connections. And yep. so that probably very much That's helps the you. That's part of it. But yep. man, do you have a lot to live up to, you know? I mean, I don't know, Shay. Because if you go into, if you just swerve and you do something completely different in life, then you're not going to be compared. Or even if you play a different sport because you have your dad's athleticism, but maybe you don't want to be compared head to head, would you... Want to go and follow the same footsteps of the greatness. I'm saying this and I am a lawyer and both my parents were lawyers. So maybe I'm being a hypocrite.
1: (laughs) A little bit. Um, Maybe that's why I'm
2: sitting here doing this. I swerved.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I swerved a little bit. Um, I went to Indiana and Michael Jordan's son played for Illinois when I was at Indiana. And so I would see him play all the time when those two schools competed, which was, you know, a few times a year. And the things that were shouted and screamed at him by some people, I was like, this is just awful in comparison, obviously, to his father. Um, But at the same time, the connections thing, and you pointed it out, I remember trying to break into this business and it was so hard. And and mm-hmm. obviously, it, not, I mean, not to toot my own horn, it semi worked out, but it, it was a lot harder. And I used to think to myself, gosh, if only I had a parent that was in this industry, it would be so much easier for me. And so I can understand why a young kid with a, a, a similar skill set, maybe not at the same level, would think this is a good route for me because I know what it takes. I've seen it firsthand and I have the connections and I have the resources to, to become something great. And so I, I get that aspect, of,
2: but you have to easier take pressure. Easier and harder though because they yeah. forever your career would be oh she Compared. just got there because right you know That's because true. mom helped her or dad right helped her.
1: that is true no matter but what like, you did but then if you do the comparison game and you can live up to that expectation like how amazing is that to have like a father son or whatever it is duo so i don't know i feel torn about this so i get it but you shouldn't talk considering both your parents are lawyers amber wilson <laughs> I'll say this and I'll say it again. I've said it on radio. I've said it on TV, Amber, as as confusing and frustrating and however you feel about live golf, it has been good for golf because we have never talked more golf on ESPN Airwaves ever in the history of sports, I don't think. Have we talked this much golf? So say what you want, but that is just the case. This is Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on ESPN Plus, Amber Wilson and Shay Cornette filling in for the guys here this afternoon, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance, and we're bringing back up the live golf situation because we learned today that the European Tour has now also banned golfers from competing in the, in the first live tournament, um, and, and so this now also results in, in banning them and then also fining them. What equates to one hundred and twenty three thousand dollars. It's around one hundred thousand in pounds. And so now, you know, the European tour kind of jumping on along with the PGA and saying, like, yeah, we're not going to have this. If you want to go to live golf, you can't be part of you can't sit with us. You can't be part of our club. Right, Amber? And so what do you make of all this?
2: Yeah, and they're saying that the money raised from those fines on the European Tour is going to be shared equally between the prize funds of upcoming tournaments. And and apparently with the European Tour, they've had a rule in place for 30 years that you can't do this, I guess, and go play for essentially a competing tour um, in this in this manner. I, I do think just overall, the landscape of what's happening with Live Golf is really interesting because you said that it's good for golf in terms of attention, which you're absolutely right. I have never talked on ESPN Radio more golf than I have yep. talked over the last few weeks. And particularly now that we've gotten some of the big names in golf and, and some of the big young names in golf. And that to me is when this story got really, really interesting is with the Brooks Kepkas of the world. Because when you're talking, Shay about the older golfers, right, that we were initially talking about when we heard about Live Golf, you're thinking, okay, they're at the tail end of their careers. They've done their thing. They've won the majors, so they're going to have a lifetime bid into the majors anyways and so when Why not go ahead and chase the bag on the way out, essentially? But now with some of these young guys, I think the plot has thickened a lot. And I do wonder, I don't think ultimately it's good for golf, because although we're talking about it now... You know, there is a scenario where, hey, are you actually going to be tuning in the same way to the PGA Tour? If a lot of the best golfers don't necessarily play on the PGA Tour anymore, but live have its own problems. They don't have the television rights quite yet. Are Not they going to get those? Right. What's that going to look like? I don't know. I do wonder what happens with these guys coming out of college. Like, I think that's where this gets interesting because I could see a world, Shay, where maybe the master or these majors, right? Like the masters, what's going to end up happening is if they say, Say, hey, we're not counting anything that happens on live. Then these guys aren't going to have enough points eventually to qualify if they're on live golf to qualify for the majors. And so that might not matter to the Brooks Kepka of the world and the Dustin Johnson's of the world that have won some majors. They'll have those lifetime bids in and they've made their money. But if you're coming out of college right now. And you've dreamed your whole life of playing in the Masters. Are you going to go to live golf even if it's more money and just forego the opportunity to ever get that opportunity right. that that's you've grown point. up your whole life thinking of when it comes to the majors? I think that's where this gets so interesting. The
1: Brooks Kapka thing was really, um, I guess – bewildering to me because in his press conferences prior to when his whole social media profiles were wiped and he ended up joining live golf. He he was so salty about mm. the black cloud. He kept calling it that this is putting over golf. And he almost like blamed the media. And I, and, and at the time I was like, Oh, Whoa. Okay. And, and I interpreted that as he was so against live golf that he didn't like this black cloud that it was creating. When in fact I misread that completely and what he was kind of saying was, like, the way we're pro- – I mean, I'm assuming now, the way we were portraying Live Golf is what put this black cloud over it, and clearly he thought it was a good deal to join it. And it's just, like, these mixed messages, I guess, that we're getting from some of these golfers who who I think in one vein don't like it, but then I guess are speaking more to the fact of the way the way it is being talked about so much, which I'm over here saying is a good thing. It's just a discrepancy, and I this – Brooks is not going to be the, the last one to fall, so to speak. I'm sure there's more, but you make a really good point about these guys coming out of college because that is the future, obviously, of golf.
2: Right. And that will kind of determine where this goes. I mean, Brooks Kepka's made $38 million, but he's right. probably going to make $100 million with Live Golf yeah. now. And I would imagine that there's an internal struggle there amongst these golfers, too, because, of course, anybody wants the money. Uh, there's a lot that comes with it. But when you're Brooks Kepka and you've made the money already, it's one thing. What happens with these golfers that haven't? Right. And then what does that money look like at Live? Because Cause right now they're just throwing out money, no, no and doubt. they're not going to make that money back,
1: right? And we're talking, especially about not this without again. a television deal. Yeah, we're talking about this again because the European Tour banned golfers who are competing in the live tournament um, and also fined them. But we are going to switch gears. Coming up, we're going to go back to the NBA because in the midst of all the NBA draft drama, Kyrie Irving popped up. We'll talk about him next here in Canty and Carlin.